So when I was little and in my younger days, I would, you know, be doing my chorely duty, my chores of getting. Uh, chorely duty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'd go get the mail, right? And then, or, or I would either get the mail Looks or like happen chorely. to stumble upon the family household mail. And in that has- household mail, I would see at times advertising for, do you need to get a divorce? And I remember as a child being struck with fear every moment, every second, every time. It was a consistent feeling of fear. There was never any resolve. Anytime I saw propaganda or pamphlets related to encouraging divorce or at least giving people who received those pamphlets an outlet to go seek resolve in that arena, which is breaking up families. For some reason, for some people, it's a necessary thing. But no, those are helpful, though, right? Those are helpful things right guys and girls sometimes are going through divorce and they really need that guys service and girls, right? you mean men, husband men and, and women wife. no well sometimes it's guys and girls because usually when you're going through divorce you're kind of you're young right you're not that developed very bad joke so i remember observing joke? this propaganda in the mail and every time i saw it i'd be like this is really scary i'm sad oh, my parents going through divorce oh my gosh what's happening and did did they talk about having divorce and here's this pamphlet that was originally sent to them from these people who from from wherever whatever entity <laughs> So it made you scared every time, like, the divorce is coming. What was that? Are they getting divorced? What? I never asked my parents if they were getting divorced, but I assumed if they were fighting. It was always like this. They were fighting, and then the divorce papers would show. The other divorce papers, divorce advertising and propaganda would show up at the house. And so in my childlike mind, I would I would observe the two together happening, or at least even if they happened a month apart. They fought last month, and then the pamphlet came. <laughs> and then two months later, a pamphlet showed up. Poor girl. Your, your poor heart must have been broken. I was very sad, and then I realized once I got older, after all the advertising continued sporadically, there was some sort of method and badness to those mailings coming to our house, which had nothing to do with me. Ha- having done a little bit of work, uh, in, from com- thinking from a media standpoint and with everything, I, I think about, you know, I look at that stuff as kind of almost a kind of propaganda to sell the idea, obviously, and I'm thinking of like these commercials I hear on AM radio where it's for the guy you're directed towards the guy. And it's like, man, these guys don't have a chance, you know, and, and it's an Indiana law. Oh really? But that's why you need to call the hammer or whatever his name is. I guess that's, I shouldn't reference that guy. We should bleep that out. But yeah, uh, don't, don't throw people under the bus. The real these. people. <laughs> I don't know what the hammer does, man. Go, go hammer. Actually, it's a generic. It's a generic. Might be it's, the, it's a generic. Uh, you know, it's code not. Name but there's folks. an actual guy named that. That's why I came put in my mind. So I got to think of another okay. guy. Uh, uh, anyway, so here. these, these, these. The, <laughs> I'm throwing anybody under the bus. So on AM radio, you hear, you these, hear these commercials, commercials and they're get directed towards guys, and it's almost like selling the idea of divorce. When the way it's like marketed, and they hear the guy talking, and then you got all your ups and downs, and like the possibilities and the different situationals or oh, something really? like that. Like, I don't what, feel what, like it goes into if, that much depth. <laughs> what, what situation are they talking but about? But in my brain, I remember just mentioning of like specific details that guys might be going through. It's like, have you done with this? Have you dealt with this? Or maybe even people, guys talking, and I dealt, you know, they helped me with da 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 da, like maybe confessionals. And, and, and okay. there's been different versions of this commercial you hear over the years and analyzing it on the AM format because somebody's a nerd and listens to every single Pacer game ever. And so was stuck listening to post game shows and all the commercials that come with that. You hear these things and, and, and now I recognize it through my lens is propaganda 
as like selling the idea in a way that is specifically geared towards hooking an individual. And so it can kind of like ramp up in a bad negative situation. This, this media exists and you have a guy who's in a bad spot. And looking at this thing through Franciscan values, is that a good idea for uh, that guy to be listening to this message? Or should he be seeking help first and foremost through other means? Now, maybe this is for the guy who's at the end of his rope. And maybe for those guys, that's not a bad thing. You know, so it's it's good. Is it bad? Is it... Now, I want to know how often you're hearing <laughs> these commercials on AM radio. That's and what's that's... funny. Yeah, enough. When you'd hear some of these, you'd hear them like, you know, sometimes they'll play it like every single commercial break. You hear that one commercial. They and paid it, for that spot, didn't they? Yeah, and it's like, oh my gosh, like, I, I've heard that. I've heard it. I've heard it. I've heard it. Oh. And you know how it is with these AM radio guys. Sometimes they just have to play that commercial break and they don't mix it up like they have like four commercial packages they could play. And they're just playing that one. So it's like my childhood reality is happening on AM radio. I don't listen to AM radio enough to even. So I'm I'm totally away from that. I am not the target audience for that commercial. AM radio. Are they even, is commercial even a word anymore? I is is to, AM radio going to be a thing anymore? They're taking it out of cars, right? Are they? Yeah. Anyway, welcome <laughs> back to episode two of this light of ours. Uno mas. What we hope to light the flame of truth in our own way, by reading between the lines of our experiences, what we see in front of our faces, what we've shared, what we've felt. This is my beautiful, gorgeous, smoking hot wife in the morning. Crystal, how you doing? Yeah, um, I'm excited to be back. I'm finally back in the studio because my husband wants to buy more equipment to have at the house. I'm like, we need to do laundry. We're not, you're going to have dust particles flying into the microphone we need to go to the we studio were so close to recording <laughs> not dust particles sorry <laughs> cotton materials but we were so far from getting our house clean that she wins yeah so i'm glad to be back in the studio so i can separate my laundry um in a different location than where i'm having my podcast with my husband yay but and i'm so glad you got the equipment because eventually we can you know at least Pre-game at the house. <laughs> I'm so I'm so glad we got a babysitter so we could be here at all. Thank you, Grandma. Thank you. Thank God. Yeah, so the truth glows when the spirit is aflame. Mm, what does it mean? Is that our tagline? I don't know. I think it's the official full version. I think I think the short version is the truth glows. The truth, at the truth glows! Exclamation point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be releasing these first few episodes as a package for anybody who is interested um, please email us at the truth at gmail.com. Is it the truth close or truth close? Can I get back to you on that? <laughs> <laughs> Insert email address oh, during so this space recent. right now. Truth at gmail.com. Yeah, yeah. But I think we need to start off with a prayer real quick. We prayed a couple times today. We should definitely do more. That sounds good. Yeah. I think that's, that's like going to be a regular thing. When we when we invite God into the space is the only time the truth is going to come out, right? Yeah. No, we're going to use that Franciscan <laughs> filter every chance we get. And, of course, the prayer is such an important thing to me, too. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord, we just thank you so much for this beautiful Saturday. There's a lot going on on campus today, and we're here at the Siren. We're also here at the Communication Center. Lots of students and faculty and parents and families and a lot of athletic sports going on this weekend. We just ask for the Holy Spirit to touch everyone that is on campus and their families and beyond, that our spirits be uh, content, and that as my husband and I are sitting here today working on 
having a discussion about some difficult topics and encouraging the truth through these conversations. Lord, that your uh, wisdom be on our tongues and uh, in our minds, in our hearts. As we speak, we are always centered and Christ-focused and that as we dive deeper into just chatting about different things and our experiences navigating the world, Lord, we just ask for your grace, your peace, and catharsis wherever it may happen and however it may happen. Uh, all glory to you and all of our works be to your glory. Amen. Amen. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. And that Amen. was the most eloquent and beautiful Miss Irorobeje Crystal <laughs> Owoso Maddox. Uh, thank, you. thank you for that prayer. I'm so fortunate to have uh, been graced with uh, a wife who can speak so eloquently, as mentioned, for my family and uh, for me, when especially when I <clears throat> suffer of uh, that old adage, isn't it like foot and mouth disease? That's because that's what I got. Like sometimes my <laughs> not foot, hand foot and mouth because our kids definitely I, have that and you don't I, have that. I, I'm pretty sure I can <laughs> still get my toe, toenails up to my teeth if I need to, which <laughs> is a gross thing to say. We don't, we don't need hand foot and mouth in the house. No, <laughs> isn't that where that comes from? I mean, Stephen Maddox does not have hand foot and mouth disease. I will just say that I said foot <laughs> and mouth. I'm not talking. I about, know I'm. I'm making a mom joke when you're not picking up on it because mom jokes dad jokes bad jokes everywhere abound oh lord oh lord anyway so let's go back to the truth glows when the spirit is aflame for me just a quick mention that means just when you trust your instincts and yourself and that which resides within you and in this instance can at this point in my life contextualize and imagine the holy spirit to be a part of myself and to channel that i am in this moment i am living the truth so if i can be aflame with my spirit <laughs> Some days you might be tired, not feeling very aflame, but when I'm in those moments, usually I can trust on my instincts to guide me to the truth. When I, I don't know the truth, you know, I can I can figure it out by by just putting the information in front of me and then looking to my spirit, basically, uh, as my own filter. So that's what it means for me. <laughs> so I, as we're talking, I'm thinking of Emily McFadden, Blessinger. I got a shout out to her. Um, she she would she would throw out a biblical text right now about the spirit being a flame and the fire of the spirit, the fire of the tongue, the fire of the Holy Spirit. And I feel like I should have something ready. And so love to insert something here, uh, scripture, or at least something in this space. I when I think of the spirit being a flame, it's being on fire for God, love, you know. And when you're in that place of mercy, harmony, peace, love, within you know connection with the Holy Spirit, the truth is all you know. <laughs> it's all you can do, all you can say, all you can receive, all that you want to share. And that's what I think about when I think about that. But when the truth is sometimes muddled and not actually the truth, like I had a conversation with some colleagues at a Rise and Shine event, and we were talking about when certain truths become certain lies become. Realized, and then there's the truth behind it. Like Christopher Columbus, like he wasn't an awesome person. <laughs> and we were taught one thing when we were younger, and then as an adult, we're like, wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait, he wait, discovered wait. America. It wasn't here until he got here. What are you talking about? Well, this might be an insert for the Daryl and Darlene show to talk about <laughs> Christopher <laughs> Columbo. Not Columbo. I'm sorry. That was that's some ignorant talk. Hey, that is not Darlene's real voice. That is that is somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> no, that darling can dip into her toe into any water she so chooses. Do not give her any grief. Well, I think in reality, we have a talk show with these two characters there, Darlene. They can insert themselves in this light of ours, but in their own relative way. Anyway, I'm going to jump can... back. I'm going to jump back. <laughs> 
Sorry, my husband and I are building these characters with our. We're trying to do be voice actors on the side, so that's what mm, that's something. <laughs> I, I wouldn't call it voice actors. I just call it in tongue and cheek characters. True. So, shout yeah. out, Daryl, Darlene. Shout out. Um, <laughs> I really want an animated version of them, and then I think that would be that would bring my heart to fulfillment. But yeah, the truth sometimes isn't when you're, you're taught one thing and then you find out the truth later, and then your eyes are open and you're, the scales are peeled back, and you're like, "What?" So, Stephen. <laughs> The truth for you. I've had some moments in my life that were very revealing, especially when it comes to, well, I mean, just personal experience gained throughout the years that grew in, into a truth. And I, I'm going to step back here real quick. So I've had some experiences in my life. You know, you're always kind of learning what you know based upon the experiences that you have, right? So you grow up and you have a mom and a dad and you go to school and you mm-hmm. have friends and you watch TV and you do things and, you know, you learn to ride a bike or not, you you swim or not, you eventually get a job or not, you do all these things and they all shape your life. Uh, in between, you do different things that's a career and, and my career choice was originally being a journalist and what really drove me to to do that, I think it was my life's experiences. Um, I remember growing up as a child wanting to share truth that I learned on my own at the kitchen table with my family. It was get into political discussions and things and debate and you know as a child you were always welcomed but also kind of whatever but yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I I was grateful my family like really let me kind of hash it out with them to a degree and that was great and then I became a paper boy at a young age I've had good old newspaper boy man. <laughs> it was so much fun uh delivering newspapers as a kid and I remember uh they switched me to a morning route and oh my gosh just when, when were you waking up I was waking up uh well you know papers didn't have to be delivered until like seven in the morning or something but you know you had school and you had everything else you had to get ready and all I remember was they dropped those papers off uh at about 3 30 in the morning and we had this old home with this big old wood porch and you'd hear this big thump every morning when those papers would be left and who was that I would, guy I would dropping wake them up. off to your house oh I know he could have been ginger he was not he was an old cat. I met him before. He drove around in a, a pickup truck with a cover on it mm-hmm. and uh, delivered our neighborhood anyway. And it really looking at those papers early in the morning, wrapping those papers every day, I think actually was a big part of it. I read a lot of what was in front of me and got into things like the Pacers and would read the sports section all the time religiously and started reading other things too. I had a, an uncle who would write letters to the editor and the family discussion would gear that way so you could see that stuff. <laughs> Nice, nice. And that was fun. Uh, Uncle Bob. Oh, yeah, Uncle Bob. Anyway, he was kind of a crazy Uncle Bob. If you, I know a lot of those are out there. Rest so in if peace, you've ever Uncle had a, a crazy Uncle Bob, you know what I'm talking about. Let's, get, let's give a, a rest in peace for him real quick. I just... <laughs> he was always uh, very eager and happy to see me. That was... <laughs> he was always very excitable and always was, like, very focused and looking into my eyes and make sure, like, are you okay? I was pregnant with our son at that time, so he was like, and obviously we knew each other before then. But. He was an incredibly emotional, passionate he, man. Very, very, very passionate. Often very passionate to his man. own, his own. <laughs> very passionate man. His own demise in different ways, and he would be self-pronounced in that regard. He was his own biggest critic to an incredible mm-hmm. degree, but he was, uh, I think, ahead of his time with some of his insights, and he was a smart guy. I'll give you one story now, five years old. 
back in what the 60s i wouldn't imagine yes and he is smart enough to work for money at that age no younger 60s yeah buys a bb gun for himself at a store wraps it himself on christmas eve at five years old puts it under the tree to bob from santa much to the family's surprise on christmas morning that's kind of cat he was he was (laughs) true uh, story you know he was quite a cat but he was an antagonist in nature uh beholden to the truth however which made it kind of a crazy combination the guy was annoying with his impressions upon you he would overwhelm you sometimes with the impression but he would also like tickling you till you pee in your pants Hey, <laughs> man, we weren't going to tell that story. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he would he would literally hold himself and the world accountable to the truth in a way that opened my eyes. And he made me question reality so many times. Uh, he was my godfather. But he also, I think he hurt himself and the people around him. So I want to make sure that that's clear about Uncle Bob because he wanted that to be clear to everybody. He made that I'm sure that I was clear to that. And he gave that, me that message. So he, he let me know about his demise before it happened. He basically... Poor health got him in the long run, and he was the last one to put his health in front of him. And I'll tell you one thing. I've, I've had some health issues, but I put my health in front of me, and I've learned from his, his negative example. <laughs> and, well, and I've learned from his positive examples, too. So I am grateful for you, Uncle Bob, your spirit. And he would appreciate the, the spirit of what I'm saying because of the regard that he held for the actualization of the spirit and for these values that we hold so dear. Like he wants to be accountable. He quoted the Bible very often and he also Amazingly, read, read, read that or memorized at the Constitution. Least four times, six times. And then as you say that that he wrote letters to the editor. So he wrote letters to the editor. Talk yeah, we would talk about all kinds of stuff and I would look review his letters and he would actually submit some of these letters in all caps. Like <laughs> so he was yelling at the editor? Yeah. <laughs> The editors would have to. That means that means that the editors were going through and fixing so much. So there was an editor somewhere. Now I used to do editing for the Daily Journal's um, child letters to Christmas, and that's all I can think of is how I had to go through and rewrite some of that stuff. Because I've I've rewrote a couple things for him uh, that he had I think sent to the then and then and I wonder what they thought seeing his letters rewritten because I underwrote a couple letters for him. So but he would he would question some stuff. Man, it was funny. I just learned that most likely you're well. I fuse these things together. Your paper boy experience. You're reading the paper. Your uncle Bob writing letters to the, the editor. editor. That the newspaper these that I all, wor- that I worked at. Yeah, these <laughs> all the and then reading the letters and then underwriting for you know it, it just. I've it, worked on both sides of the it coin. All, yeah, and so it really gives me a deeper tap into like your childhood. I, I feel like it's unique, probably rare niche kind of corner of the market that I exist in with my whatever I'm well, selling. Everybody, everybody <laughs> is their own beautiful spirit and beautiful light, and that's part of your light is that you had your uncle a really kind of cultivating your journalism interest by writing you know and, and being that mentor in that way we would sit in his basement and he would read from me um like conspiracy newsletters for example <laughs> for everything from that to the newspaper to his letters to the editor to all kinds of documents about the constitution and federalist papers thomas jefferson and he had so much of this good information even from the bible memorized front and back yeah and he would always question everything and he would always question himself and he would beat himself up to the point to where you would almost be uncomfortable but he would confide some things that gave me real insight and truth and he took on the world when it came to trying to want to solve the world's problems in a way that I think was imprinted upon me now I don't really want to solve the world's problems I don't think I'm some kind of savior but I think he took the story of Jesus to heart and probably put a lot of that in himself in trying to fix his problems and trying to want to do things and I think he wanted to attack the world for infringing upon him and potentially his children in a 
way that he couldn't right. control Some thoughts and <laughs> propaganda we talked about earlier early it's Crazy probably, probably be a running Bobby. theme because of the things that we hear and see and i feel like that's probably why he wrote those letters to the editor in some way to talk about all types of stuff but really bring the truth out like this is what we're trying to do too with the show and yeah so i yeah i was gonna ask when he brought up scripture was he quoting a lot of the, the actual text or was he generalizing he, i'm just curious he, he could quote some text he could generalize and he could quote and he could uh refer and because he would read it regularly and i think he would focus on what he was looking for too mm. and, he, and he would find it mm-hmm. now i gotta give him a hard time because i one time i remember calling him out for looking for his own answers you know what i mean like looking for what he wanted to be the answers and pushing that and that i think he appreciated about me because i would kind of hold him accountable as we would go back and forth and sometimes i think he had this like weight that he carried of guilt and anybody who knows him knows exactly what i'm talking about he was very polarizing figure i feel like when i was talking to um father guy used to be the father at uh St. Joan of Arc where I used to canter. He was a convert from the Lutheran church. It was almost part of what you just said. I was immediately what I thought of. That was something that uh, within the Lutheran faith, and I don't know for certain, I don't have the differences yeah. between a Lutheran and, and Catholicism, but I do know that I've coined it as diet Catholic. <laughs> but there, <laughs> but you, there, you and many before you. <laughs> but the view of the Holy Spirit and the view of the, the, the grace and mercy, I think if Uncle Bob was hard on himself more so than other people. I don't know. I'm curious, and this may just be me having to do some research on the Lutheran church. I think he was late in his life, and I think that that was part of, of his penance. And I think that okay. it, was, it was in this life, I think that was what he had to go through, because he, I won't get into any more detail. You know, I don't want to in respect of his family. Yeah. I, I was just talking about... Because, you know, we can all share that together, and there's a lot that goes on there, but you know, he had a issue. <laughs> he had some a real dark feelings that he held on to, and a lot of it was his his guilt and he felt like he could never atone in this life mm. and he was afraid for his soul i think to some degree because it's he felt fear. like i well i think so and maybe that is a lutheran thing but maybe there's things i don't, don't want to say it like Uncle that I, I don't want to say it like that but <laughs> i don't know like it was that crazy but I, I you never know i don't want to say it like that know. but I'm like, that, that was a different time the, the 70s <laughs> i wonder if that's part of it i have no idea we don't have to go on that tangent and i i hope that was cathartic for you yeah it was it was great um, it was great but uncle bob had an influence on me and i actually took him one time now one more quick uncle bob story he was outspoken about the constitution and we had a constitution day as a scroll of journalism at franklin college we had people that were supposed to speak and present and do these things and i'm like oh my gosh this they, they're talking about how this is open to the public and they've got these things everywhere and mm. it. open to the public apparently, hey. they're, apparently they're, they were being spread around town and there was a mention in the newspaper and things so i'm like hmm. oh my gosh who should i bring to this but my uncle here i am and i'm were you a freshman in college no this is me back from japan point is that i took him to this thing and they started talking about the constitution and they said a couple things that they said and a speaker give a lecture and then they had some guy come up and said open questions and when we started that he let a couple kids go because I knew he was jumping at the bits and we were kind of talking a little bit amongst ourselves as thing was going and out of nowhere you know he's ready and he raises his hand and asks a question and we're like two three questions into the Q&A which the lecture was like 15 minutes and it's supposed to be a big thing about the constitution and here we're two questions into the Q&A my Uncle Bob asked a question 
And he, I can't remember this question for the life of me right now, but I will tell you that it was very quick into the response that the guy was kind of baffled already and was like, oh, well, (laughs) and like kind of laughing, kind of ready to write off the question and move on and not answer the question. And he was sidestepping. Uncle Bob spoke up (laughs) and was like, no, that doesn't answer my question and says, you know, hey, but no, 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 this, this, this. And the guy was like, oh, okay. So he tried to answer the question, but was obviously diverted. And so Uncle Bob's kind of laughing and we sit down for a minute. We let, I think another question gets asked and he asks a different question upon which the guy again gives another half-hearted answer without getting anything else. And before he does anything else, they cut it and they talk about Wait, the pizza at the, the back of the room. So we are literally. Oh, they cut what? The, the rest of the session. So oh. we're maybe half an hour into this entire thing happening and it's supposed to be this big thing. And they immediately cut to the pizza that's at the back of the room that's available <laughs> for us. And we're supposed to be able to walk around and discuss things with the people then as a conversation piece. But the way that he had kind of been written off you know, after two big questions and looking at those guys at the front and the way they were kind of afraid of him and how one of the guys even left the room, it was no point in continuing on there. So we kind of left. We grabbed a piece of pizza and left. I have a question. Did Uncle Bob treat this like a town hall discussion? or <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> he was like, pizza later, okay? Town hall meeting now. <laughs> well, That's just how I imagine it. I they made it open to the public, and obviously he was the only person from the public that showed up. <laughs> I I can't help it. It was too much fun, and I'm so glad that I brought him because it was it was hilarious. It was embarrassing, uh, but it was at the same time it was eye opening, and uh, I wouldn't trade that memory for the world because it yeah it will play a role later on in this discussion. I think the timeline's not off. So I had this experience with my uncle Bob, and I had come back from Japan with all of this information and wealth of knowledge and understanding. And when I was in Japan, the big topic of discussion politics being you know the the world's driving the news and oh, things. Everything you hear. You know, the media being a big part, me being a journalism student, I've got my eye on the news. I'm watching the AP Wire for my news. That's where we got objective news, not through Wikipedia. We were told to avoid Wikipedia, by the way. Oh, yeah. I remember those days. I remember when Wikipedia was not allowed. That was not a, a source you could use on anything at all. If you did, you were actually looked at as a fool in front of everybody. Exactly. And now it's like, well, let's look at Wikipedia real quick. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, wait. You I'm realize like, when did that, that could have been rewritten last night and you could be quoting something that was rewritten last night and is no longer. I mean, I don't know if they, maybe they show that stuff. People can tell when it was rewritten and all that. But point, point being, way, like, we the stuff can be completely edited. We like, weren't allowed to use Wikipedia when it first it just was at incredible. At all, at all. He's an actual encyclopedia source. So if you're what was <laughs> sidebar Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> I don't mean to throw them under the bus, but I don't know. Yeah, Japan. So I'm over in Japan, and I'm at a dinner with all of these people from all over the world. We're at a restaurant that's called the Canadian Farm, and it okay. is in, uh, I think, not far from Chinoshi, Japan, Chino City. And there are Canadians, there are Australians, there is some people from New Zealand, there significant others and you know some japanese natives and uh the white me, people me and, and one, japanese people me and me and i think the only other two americans in uh, uh half a million people radius and you have to excuse that plug in i want to say the white people and japanese <laughs> i was trying to make you laugh but you're like not you're, well, you're not biting at it i'm like oh that, stand alone that could be I really, grin really loud i grinned <laughs> real loud you didn't hear that <laughs> 
Maybe I had my eyes closed. Oh man, I've got <laughs> I've got this tongue in cheek humor, and I need to laugh more frequently because it, it makes me happy. She had me cracking up early. It was great. <laughs> you had me cracking up. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That was so funny. I could not. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so we're at this table. We're talking about things, and we're, I'm getting so much crap because of the WMDs in America being so gung ho about going back into war in the Iraq. Gung ho. WMDs, people, because uh, after 2001, obviously the the Twin Towers situation, it's led us to be over there and there was this huge debate globally that the United States shouldn't be going into Iraq. One, it was a conflict of the true interest of supposedly the intentions of the people who perpetuated the attack up to that point in time. And it was also two, there was questionable whether that was real or not. And then three, they were just like the U.S. is a war machine making money. So question though, how long after 9-11 were you in Japan? Because I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to think of when did you go to Japan? Oh, um, I went to Japan uh, the but, first time pre 9-11. Okay. And then I went to, that was more of a trip. And then I went to school, yeah. but I, I went to Japan and it would have been the summer. Was it? He's thinking. Oh, no, yeah, 2001. The second half of 2001. Yep, yep. Was it? 2002. Second half of 2002. Second half of 2002. 2002, and then again in 2003. So it was Second half of each year. Second half of each year. Right, right after. It was a semester in between. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Right, right after. Right after. So it was really fresh, really fresh. It was not, it was not immediately after. Okay. And so I went one summer and then... That makes sense. I, I graduated yeah, high school yep, yep. In, 20, in 2002, so... So I'm over there and there, this, this debate is getting hot at the table and I am basically defending all of my family and, and, and friends and, and all, everyone I know in America to these people because <laughs> we, we do not necessarily I'm support... defending the American dream and the nation of America because I'm an American in a non-American place. I'm <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of like that, but it, it was interesting. Um, but they were a little hot and they were. Who, the Canadians or the New Zealands? <laughs> all of them. New Zealanders. They were all beating up Actually, the Americans and they were all looking at us. The and, Aborigines or were they just and, other people? And I was the freshest from America. And, and so during this time, there are other ones, the other two guys had been there for a while. Is New Zealanders a word? That's not what you call the people over Kiwis. You call them Kiwis. Kiwis. I'm, I'm, oh, see, kiwi, I had, kiwi, Kiwi. Yeah, you, see, oh, I had, oh, oh. you see, I had to go back in my mind. I'm like, I'm not making any sense. Continue. <sighs> I'm sorry. I digress. Anyway. <laughs> They're giving me the the pinch, and I'm just like, don't be, don't pick on me. You know, we're not. We're, I was basically giving the whole we are the uh, 99% thing like that and before o- the Occupy movement was even a thing. I was like, hey, 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 We're hey, not hey. all like that. We're not all like that. Most of us are all in the same boat, and we're all just like a bunch of consumers who don't know what's going on. You're fighting the stereotype and over I was, there. And I was speaking through my Uncle Bob filter, and I was doing my best to hold my own, but I really didn't have a lot yet. You know what I mean? I didn't have a lot of my own material to pull from, so I was listening a lot more than I was talking because there were some older guys there, and it was, but it was a really interesting conversation. And At the Canadian farm? Well, about the the global politics and mm-hmm. these guys got me reading a newspaper called the Daily Omiuri and so was it the, from that instance or were you reading it before no I swear it was from that instance because I didn't read it no maybe it was from Nick Fogarty I got to give Nick Fogarty all the credit <laughs> I take it back <laughs> but, but they got no Wait, they was, but they got me they got me questioning some things over there with this guy Alex who was a friend of mine and he was he there with you he the, he was one of these the, guys I could talk conspiracies with back in the day before they were really called conspiracies it was talking about what the truth was about what was going on. We didn't call that stuff conspiracies when it was just conversation. Why are they lying to us? Yeah. <laughs> Why they, what's happening? Oh, you heard that? Well, sounds like from this article. And I remember him opening my eyes up to some themes and some ideas that I brought back. 
but I was reading the Daily Omiuri, which is where I was going with that and trying to segue to anyway. And this is a newspaper that comes out in Japan and it's day old news from around the world. And it is uh, conglomerated into one paper in English. So it's all the English papers from around the world in one print, just a variety of stories that make sense for one paper. And it's for foreigners usually, uh, but a lot of Japanese people read it too. And there's an article in this issue that I'm reading when I'm over there after that conversation, while I'm watching news about them looking for the WMDs, I'm looking at this article that was picked up by the Chicago Tribune originally from a Milwaukee paper. I wish I could find it. I know I have it somewhere in we my need to go to the depths. library. Library day. We'll go check out the archives. <laughs> Can we see your microfilm, please? Um, okay. <laughs> man, I knew she was going to get hot when I said that. And we're going to do adult content. No. Um, Libraries are fun. Continue. Where was I? The Milwaukee paper. So this paper is just a story done about a book that was referencing historical facts about the Bush family. Prescott mm-hmm. Bush owned a bank or whatever. Who's Prescott Bush? Bush Sr.'s father, as we know him. So Granddaddy Bush? Granddaddy Bush. I'm Granddaddy sorry, Bush <laughs> owned a bank essentially during World War II that provided monetary support to both sides of the war. Hitler refers to the gods of war. If you ever saw any History Channel shows about Hitler, which there's so many, oh my God, are there so many History Channel shows about Hitler? They want but, you to all know about this uh, evil man. But I just why? remember growing up and all the black <laughs> and white Hitler programming that I was, it was just almost too much. Anyway. Yeah, let's talk about like the, the <laughs> saints and the saints of the world, not the. There's so much history, but it's good. To, it's good to know. There's so much history from that era, but we we're blinded by the darkness. But let's see the the other stuff. Head to um, the light. Anyway, so this war was basically being perpetuated by these gods of war, as he referred to them, who were pinging the thing back and forth, and they eventually they pulled it. And when they pulled their favor from him, he said that's when they lost. They, the war went out in his memoirs, or supposedly, or whatever. Prescott Bush has memoirs. On, no, Hitler's oh. memoirs. Oh, so, sorry. 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 Sorry, sorry, no, sorry. thank you for the context. But anyway, the story went on to detail Bush Sr.'s monetary gain from the Gulf War and some of the moves that he made in the paper trail relative to the family's gains. All this in the Milwaukee article that and was it, in the Daily O'Me. Yes, and it also sorry. mentioned uh, Bush Sr.'s original presence in the CIA and kind of CIA's power turn. Uh, and then it brought us brought us back to what was then the current time where Bush Jr., little dub, B dub, where he now he was looking for these. Weapons of mass destruction and, and, you know, supposedly going after kind of this weird misdirection of going after, you know, Iraq when supposedly and Hussein and the perceived response to the 2001 attack on America. Yeah. So all of this was in the article in the paper? Yeah. Okay. It was all all referenced. So it was this really big kind of expose sort of portrayal of this information. And so for me, I'm just like, wow. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. I can't believe it. All these people are talking about this stuff. And look at this. This is mind-blowing. Uncle Bob, man, he would have fun with this one. And so I'm just like, wow. I wonder what everyone thinks of this back home. And I start talking to people. And I'm like, are they t- anybody talking about that? And they're like, well, no. What are you talking about? You're what like, are I'm you over talking here in Japan about? You crazy? <laughs> you, you you sound like you, you, you might have been hanging out with Uncle Bob too much or something. You know, yeah, like you're just out there in a limb. You love your uncles. Okay. So I didn't think too much about it, but I brought it back with me and I hung on to this newspaper that I had. Uh, fast forward, and we are back at school after at Franklin College. My time uh, abroad, and I have to retake some classes. 
for various reasons. We're just doing some freshman classes that are in the news ed. I'm switching from one major to another and doing a news ed class. So I'm in this news ed class, and at one point during the class, we're nearing the end, we have an editor uh, from the Indianapolis Star. So this editor is a great guy, does a good job helping us out, talking to us at the end of the class. It's time for Q&A. And I let some, much like the previous Q&A town hall, (laughs) (laughs) I'm waiting a couple questions before I ask a toughie, and I'm like, hey, so I got this newspaper from this Daily Yomiuri summary. I uh, give him an explanation of where I'm coming from. And, you know, looking at these articles, why don't we see news like this in America today? Because I present this information and I gave him the anecdote that. And when I do, people Did you kind have of, the paper in your hand? I did. <gasps> I literally did. <laughs> and I still have it somewhere in my box uh, in the garage. And what does he do? That old adage of, oh, 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 makes kind of a joke, gives me a swim move answer, and moves on to the questions. I immediately raise my hand, and he answers my question again. And he gives me a little bit more information, but doesn't go into very much detail. So why is this Why is this happening? And, and I'm kind of like, whatever. So he answers another kid's question, and I raise my hand again. And he's like, you're not going to let it go, are you? And I said, uh-uh. <laughs> it was one of, my, no, sir. one of my proudest moments because it was probably more of an appropriate setting. <laughs> well, that's what college is about, too, to be able to kind of, you know. And it was great because this guy was like opened up. He goes, you know, one of the reasons you won't, and I, I'm summarizing here, it won't get that information in the news over here today has to do with some of the rules that have changed in the media. It's basically, he was saying, a conflict of interest to present that information because it goes against the national interests. And he said there could be a level of national defense involved. However, the literal trail that exists had to do with uh, he immediately jumped into the Telecommunications Act of 1996. Mm, so this was a, this was a nugget that had presented itself, a black swan that presented itself into the conversation that wasn't immediately available upon the first two questions. <laughs> it was a great lesson for me to I keep digging like that. And so he jumps right into the 1996 Telecommunications Act. So what he mm. breaks down essentially is Bill Clinton was in office and there was this act that was signed into law and the purpose was to deregulate the converging broadcasting and telecommunication markets. So deregulate. So there are certain regulations and decided to like to undo the regulations. Yeah. <laughs> and while I don't have a lot of understanding of what was the reasoning at the time for this, the result was reduced regulations, which led to media consolidation. Essentially, there were these regulations in place that prevented one major media outlet from owning more than so many outlets in a certain market or under certain facilities. What this prevented was a huge systematic monopoly and prevented one source for all of the information. It allowed more of a, a federated sort of information approach where you have little pockets of news all over doing their own news things and their own news standards and sending it up to the top and the top being able to pull from that to share that way, but not one stream owning everything. Well, I feel like I, and I would need to confirm this, but it's, I think they can only own up to like four or was it four or 40? Or well, it like depends on certain circumstances. Okay. Like there were different regulations in and under different facilities, like the radio had a different... Okay. It, but there were these standards that were in place. Right. And the result of this was that it basically, these regulations were, yeah, lifted. <laughs> and, and, and now 90% of all major media companies are owned by six corporations. And he, at this point in time, told me that. So back then it was about eight, I think. And he said, I think that's what he had mentioned was the big eight. And I could be wrong, mm. but literally now it's down to six because of the way that they continue to combine. But we used to have laws in place in this country that prevented monopolies from existing. And this is an example 
example of these laws coming to an end or being deregulated or these practices kind of peeling back. So they can have their monopolies that they were trying it, to is stop. Is that not at the detriment of society for the common man? <laughs> so I remember, because we were talking about this a little bit earlier, and I remember you were like, oh yeah, our heart media. And I was like, oh yeah, I know that name. But so, then I went on the website and then I realized that they so own the six everything? Companies, yeah, the six companies. Um, they own everything? Let me look on their website real quick. I just want to put this up. So it used to be Clear Channel, right? And September 16th, 2014, Clear Channel announced today that it has become iHeartMedia, reflecting the company's success in becoming a one-of-a-kind, multi-platform media company with unparalleled reach and impact. The newly named company includes a wide range of advertising-supported, consumer-focused media businesses, including 859 radio stations in over 150 markets with more than 245 million listeners a month, the largest reach of any radio so or television outlet in America. For a little bit of context, that's radio only is this is what we're talking about at this point. And if you ever wondered why when you were growing up in Indiana, those of <laughs> relate to me maybe, um, and even now I'm sure it's the same way when you listen to the radio, you wonder why you hear the same songs over and 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 over again because those big <laughs> channels only have deals with certain companies. So you're really getting such a small snippet when there could be this huge range of uh, music all over. So there used to be a world literally prior to 1996 where you had at every radio station more local music being played and across the country you could drive through different pockets and hear local music sometimes in a way that was just probably really rich from area to area then it went from that to only listening to the same songs that are being played on every single radio station I can relate to this because when I was working for the Daily Journal uh, in my life I around the same time by the way I was writing news stories for all their small publications which would sometimes get picked up in the big publications and I tried to print, get bigger stories published and when they wouldn't get published I would try to figure out why I couldn't get anything pitched and it, would, I would, it turns out I was competing against these AP news stories that would be picked up across the country that would only show like what they wanted to be shown for example mm. articles about trends in fashion specifically tons of feature stories presented as feature stories that were basic advertisements for women to increase their Consume. shopping habits and Consume. towards a certain direction consumption <laughs> and that's what I was up against. And because of that, I couldn't get a an in-depth story about the Underground Railroad in Franklin and, and going around and canvassing all the businesses and old business owners and uh, business owners and old timers who, who knew about the secret passages and some of the old stories that were relative to the past. Mm -hmm. I, I had that stuff all lined up, pitched it to the editor. Nope, 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 nope. I got so many nopes, they kind of didn't want to hear it. <laughs> mm, yeah. Okay, so you're talking with this speaker and he brings up this 1996 yeah. telecommunications Yeah, so the six companies, six companies. So outside of radio, you've got Viacom, News Corporation, Comcast, CBS, Time Warner, and Disney. And if you look at the, the tree that goes underneath them, every news outlet that you could ever imagine ties back to them. Ties back to them. And even those big six, they have controlling interests that are invested in each other. And, you know, if you want to take it a step further, this is, and now this is what knowledge that was gained since then, a okay, lot of the yeah. bigger, bigger details. But back then, that was the first time I'd ever heard it. And if you look that stuff oh, up really? nowadays, it's everywhere. And that, I mean, that was 2003. And so there weren't memes all over Facebook about all these things like there Facebook are Facebook just started, I think. <laughs> Again, Facebook, social media, period. Yeah. But yes, so, uh, Facebook had just started. So mm. you weren't discussing this stuff publicly. No, it was just college students trying to gain access to it, other friends and young, you know. From what he told me <laughs> was the first time I'd ever heard these sort of war room truths of Uncle Bob come to fruition in a way that was eye-opening, like, oh my God, he's crazy Uncle Bob might be right about some things. And it really blew my mind. Like I said, I was proud of myself in the moment. And much like Uncle 
Bob at that town hall, though, I was kind of sad because here I was, I got him to open up to all of us in the whole classroom, and I figured this was going to give me some sort of credibility. You know, I was actually working opposite of some people who were editors in this class who were editing for the newspaper, and I was working with them alongside, and I figured that this exploration and a conversation would open up discussion between us in a way that would open up things uh, for me, maybe professionally, in a way that might change things. Because he was from the Indianapolis Star, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't the editor, okay, but he was a, an editor for one of the big pages in the Star and yeah. did a lot of work. And I consequently happened to know his daughter from high school and different things. So there was just this interesting connection, synchronicity, mm -hmm. abound. But it was an eye-opening moment. And all the people in my class didn't care and were like even didn't want to talk about what I had presented to him because I'd asked a couple questions in a row like that. I think they were embarrassed. And you they were that guy who just kept raising their hand. Yeah, there was one kid <laughs> in the class who was kind of the nerd in the class who was like, dude. Oh, really? And I was so happy to hear from him. But everybody else in the class. So you had, so you had some support. You had some I commentary. Did. I did. But and I guess I'm not disappointed in that experience at all. But what I'm disappointed in is that the mass of the people who went on to be editors for other newspapers at different places in the country, one of them a, a Cleveland, none of them gave two squats about what was revealed during that at that point in time. They were more motivated by the money that they could make with their job. And none of them were townies from Franklin who were already, you know, 22 year old in their freshman class or, or juniors in their freshman class or whatever. It, it was just funny because I kind of got looked at a certain way for calling that out, which was another lesson for me, too, because barking up that tree at the newspaper, barking up that tree in front of those students, barking up that tree is like a watchdog that Ben Franklin intended us to be. It, it didn't pan out. And instead, we're dealing with all these other circumstances and it's all driven by money. So basically, this this 1996 Telecommunications Act, which was revealed to you, revealed to you by this editor at the from the Indianapolis Star, I opened your eyes and you had an Uncle Bob moment, or at least they all fused together, right? Some of these experiences you had with him. And then what else did he say? So he said that you couldn't, you weren't well, yeah, due, to so, the, due to this act and another one that you yeah, weren't able I guess to get is, stories in? This is an important part of the story. So the thing that he said was that if you wanted to print this kind of news, you're going to have a really hard time because it goes against the interests of this pyramid-shaped agenda. And the truth of the matter was it was going to be hard to get work presenting this kind of information. At that time, there were no alternative news outlets. So I have a question. This person from the Indianapolis Star basically shot you down by saying you wouldn't get any work if you wanted to print a story like this over why this basically why you won't see stories like this over here but you found it in Japan uh -huh. and you won't get it like here because basically people who try to do stories like that over here are not going to get any work exactly and so what that was did really shitting on you before you even were thinking about getting a job well <laughs> or maybe yeah. you were thinking about it I don't know and why. you know what <laughs> that realization excuse my language we got to edit that out that realization helped me redirect the order of my life a little bit I eventually switched my major back to design mm. and all this other stuff relative to some of these communications coming from this editor and from other people and the way the kind of the response and reaction that I got. So yes, it, it did shape and he did shoot me down, but I regret at that time not sticking the fight out a little bit. Uh, I do now anyway, but you know, life goes the direction it goes for different reasons. And I think that the one thing it did do was make me keep my eyes on the global news in a way that is unique to most of my peers. I had was had been trained in researching information mm -hmm. and I had discovered some truths that were between the lines there. Here I am able to now 
now discern on my own and to look for information on my own, knowing that what I'm perceiving is not to be trusted wholeheartedly as the whole picture. Because there are monopolies on what you see. And if there are monopolies, there's no diversity in the content and there's no room for exploration by multiple, by through multiple sources. But having gone to Japan, you had this exposure that you wouldn't have had in the United States. That's a huge, that's huge. Talk about perspective, talk about wisdom, talk about information. Like we don't have to get spiritual. We can just get down to the facts. Like if you aren't exposed, then you don't have a plethora of things to discern over process and you don't have a diverse or range of experiences or information to, to even speak up on. That's crazy. You know, having been raised in the church like I was too, I've been humbled my whole life by the stories of Christ and the persecution and different things that come up and maybe coming from that Lutheran angle, coming from my Uncle Bob. I was humbled and knowing that I wasn't going to have all the answers and I, there were things that I could do to better myself and to be better in position. So I wasn't always sure about anything. You know, you're always questioning everything. And I think those two things kind of go hand in hand to a degree. Like you put your trust in God and in Christ. And you hope the that truth, other people do too. And then they're and, feeding and you lies. And you trust in the, the light like within you for the truth. So I stopped looking at the newspapers to give me all the truth. I started looking at myself and I would look at the newspapers with a different light. I would process that information, but then I would also process the other information too, because I tell you, this took me down some rabbit holes. And one thing I found out about the rabbit holes is that not all the rabbit holes are truth too. And it seems like there are almost intentionally left lies bundled within truths to kind of keep people off any kind of trail or just just as junk that's out there that people do. And it's like the, a maze. <laughs> but being trained in in research and things like that, you find the the truth right. The cream rises to the top, and the the truth and the light, the truth that glows. Like if it's really truth, you know it inside your heart sometimes. And and when I followed that intention, that idea, one thing I know is I don't know. The one thing I know is I don't know. But but God will shed light on what I need to know and I and I pray for that truth and I have been doing that thanks to people like my uncle Bob who instilled with within me uh, and made it a big part of his responsibility with me as my godfather it was there and so I obviously your parents and family yeah everybody you know but I'm just giving him as the reference and you and everyone (laughs) you know I'm 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 what am I talking about Well, I think you brought up a good point about kind of looking at all of this stuff and looking for the truth through the Christian lenses, but then some of the truth that we were receiving as children or just in our collegiate days, as you mentioned, with you know, this editor and you know the stories about the weapons of mass destruction and learning about the money trail, that the trail or the rabbit holes, some rabbit holes that reveal the truth. Apparently, that Milwaukee paper went through uh, the Prescott fam- Bush family rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> to bring to bring up some connections that maybe we wouldn't have known about, you wouldn't have known about them in the U.S., but apparently that paper wouldn't have made it over here. And, you know, it did light a fire underneath me, too, to continue to look for the truth, and it led to so many different revelations, you know, following along that path, specifically with my journalistic integrity intact, I went into another realm of work on my own. I started my own family and everything. You know, in late 2000s, I, like I said, I've had more <laughs> jobs than I'd like to account for. But, you know, in the long run, it was it was interesting because, you know, like I said, this took me down a little bit of a different path because of the integrity of the journalism being lacking on that. And I didn't want to put my heart and my spirit into something that was not true. So it, I took some time away from journalism. I disconnected from that. I, I stayed in 
that visual realm. Like I said last episode, my end of my college career didn't go um, as planned, but I ended up as somebody who kept score in that regard, and I delved into that information. And I've spent literally the last 20 years of my life growing in that regard. And the more I've researched, the more I've learned, the more I've learned from my mistakes, you know, the more that the truth is obvious to me when it's apparent through the channels that I've already explored. You know what I mean? So I've got a wealth of knowledge that I have built upon. Mm -hmm. And so much of it is this stuff that is off the beaten path that comes from shining that light in the dark. And so I'm trying really hard to incorporate that now with my understanding. And I've, and I've been able to improve my life with this. I've improved my health by looking on the beaten path. I'm not doing things that are, were on the normal channels. Yeah. Um, and this was before a lot of these alternative health options have become more available through popular media. So question to go back to, do you think that the Telecommunications Act created more room for propaganda? Well, <laughs> yes, because when you got that sort of conglomeration, it opens the door immediately. You know, like I said, if you're keeping score, then the real open door there is something that I was able to follow live with my information. And a lot of people weren't looking at back in the day. So when I, I'll admit I voted for President Obama back when he ran the Obama Biden yeah. ticket, the original one. Mm, yeah, uh, yep. Much to the chagrin of my grandfather, who I still have a voicemail left today somewhere oh, really? in the archives of him just going on about the can't believe he saw that sign in front of our house oh so really i was on that train <laughs> and 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 i will just say i was the only one in my family on that train mm. so we were very politically aligned in a certain way and uh, as a unit and i was always the black sheeps but i will say i i kind of the first time i really regretted that decision and just the voting in in particular just i became demoralized in that regard was around 2012 2013 keeping score there was the smith month modernization act of 2012 so this act was passed as a part of the 2013 national defense authorization act if you guys remember the war on terror it was a big thing back then and this mm -hmm. allowed for the dissemination of u.s government produced propaganda and public public diplomacy information to domestic audiences which was previously restricted so again previously restricted Deregulation, <laughs> previously restricted, now not restricted. Yeah, so it's it's it's, it's this <laughs> deregulation. Reach, it's this reach uh, by the U.S. government, you know, produced propaganda and some examples of this. So f hold on. So first it was businesses, and now we're talking about the U.S. government, which yes. is a business because the United States of America is a corporation. Continue. Oh, so this is a whole other <laughs> sidebar, but for anybody who's is keeping score at home, and if you want to delve deeper, and maybe this is something we should really dive into in a another future episode, episode. Yeah. But the United States of America capitalized, all caps, or something like that. I, I forget how it works. The United States of America is a corporation, and it is also a country. And the two things are separate but run side by side. And if you look into that and the law behind that, you'll realize that, that there's a whole, a whole world of... Can I tell you something? Nigeria was also a corporation before it was a country. Yeah. So did these, you know that? I, I, I did because of you. I found that out, and I think water started coming behind my eyes. And I was concerned about everything. But go ahead. We won't talk about that now. We won't, uh, we'll go back to the another future Smith, episode. Smith month. So <laughs> it was the Obama administration supported the act, citing a need for transparency and openness in government communication. Under the, under the guise. Under the guise of, of what? So, so that's the guise. But in reality, it's we want to feed you everything we want to feed you. So that's why 
these regulations that were supposedly placed before restricting. So I studied propaganda in college and we Ooh. learned all about the old war videos that were produced on both sides of the war and how this stuff would permeate the ideologies of, of people and how it was used to sway decisions and basically support of wars, of agendas, of these things. Now, we go back to the discussion now of Bush, his family taking advantage of the financial gains and his family now having a corner on the uh, intelligence agencies and everything in the direction there. There's a conflict of interest directly occurring now amongst the private interests who have, a, I think, captured our government, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I would say there's a handshaking, handshaking that's happening, especially you can see on the state level when state laws and, and administrators and things like that are going around saying different things at settings where the state wasn't asked to talk about the this at the at the picnic <laughs> the picnic <laughs> i'm thinking of a specific example and i don't want to get into it and that's why that sentence was vague <laughs> i need to go back and revisit that to be able to say it without ser saying certain things but um yeah the, the separation between the government the information that the government shares to the people and how the people receive that information. And government is supposed to serve the people, not not the opposite. Responsible and stewardship. Exactly. And diplomacy, reconciliation. And if you look at the literal opportunities for reconciliation between people and their government right now, there are no opportunities. There's no option. There's no format. You can't discuss. You can't speak up against your government or, or, or on behalf of yourself in lieu of the government right now. There's just no forum well, for that. Well, there are, but because so there are certain ways when you have these town halls. No. <laughs> well, not you have, the, you have local government where, you know, decisions are being made. School boards are having their public meeting and they're invited the public. And I'm locally minded here because of just the work that I do is grassroots and community engagement work um, through my position here at Marion. So the avenues are there. I think it's not this, diverse. It's no, it's not diverse. It's the access, though. The media consolidation affects democratic discourse. Yeah, it does. I agree with that. But it's important for citizens to be informed and the role of the media should be to inform the citizens and as ben franklin originally quoted was to be a watchdog of the government and to help prepare the people as individuals and as communities and as sovereign people to be able to <laughs> have civil discourse and to talk have civil, about things yeah. and be to be able to hold people accountable so if these laws are being enacted and they're really infringing upon the rights and the and the safety civil, <laughs> some in some way mental say mental health safety uh, you know civil you know, discourse if 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 propaganda is is perpetuated through laws what does that mean for us the consumer That's a great question <laughs> dot 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 and it's probably a better question for another episode as much as I would like to keep going on this I one. I would love to, yeah. Right at the, well, we should, the clock. We should give him that little taste. That's a little taste for the next. But we don't. We're not going to always talk about these kinds of things. But I love that we just took a deep, deeper dive into your journalistic background and like the, even the you know my love for law, the legal. I want to dive deeper into like the I, legal stuff too. But that is, I think, and so man, propaganda. I can't. I'm just. I, I, I tell you this as an adult. I'm like, what? I, I have. I have in my own circles, being the black sheep of the family. Going back to that real quick, been labeled a conspiracy theorist, as was my crazy uncle Bob. All right. But I don't like that moniker. There's so many of these quote unquote conspiracies that have proven true. And, you know, really what I am about and what I want to accomplish and what I think we need to accomplish 
is getting back to just objectivity because that's what I learned in those journalism classes was mm-hmm. being objective. And that's what I saw in those newspapers was not happening. And that's what I saw in that town hall that was not <laughs> happening. <laughs> there was no actual open civil discourse offered and that door is being shut. And so let's do that. Let's make it happen. Please, please, please send us a message if you liked anything you heard today. Um, I have any questions you're curious or topics we should talk about. If you've got anything you think we should talk about on the show, if you've got anything, please send it to us at truthglows at gmail.com. Truthglows at gmail.com. Truthglows <laughs> at gmail.com. This light of ours with my wonderful, intelligent, God-given husband. Thank you, Lord, for this gift. St. Michael, the archangel, defend we- us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and the snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray to thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who wander throughout the world, seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Amen. That's St. Michael, the archangel prayer. Amen. Had to insert that real quick. This now, light of ours. Also, this light of ours underscores on Instagram. This light of ours underscore on Instagram. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. See ya. Bye-bye. Thank you. See ya. We are the light of the world. Thank you for hanging out with us. Our email address, our Instagram. It, you can definitely find us at be sure to stay tuned. <laughs> connect with us. Follow us. No, connect is a better way. Connect with us. This light of ours. This light of ours. <clears throat> check one, check two, check one, check two. What you gonna do? Check one, check two, check two, check one. Not in the red, we done. Where's River? Where's our sound with the with the the accompaniment? Hey, hey, hey! Insert. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? Ooh. All right. Well, I think we're still recording. I was just trying to think of one more thing to say to buy that'd be funny. Hey, we done. Hey, thank you. Goodbye, everybody. We finished. What time Goodbye, are we Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. We way over time. It don't matter. Mm. Um, some sort of crazy fun sound. No, we're we... not going to say any of that stuff. None of that stuff's making it. It's all just getting cut. No, I have one, and I would love a, a sound effect, okay? I just want I want one sound effect, okay? Oh. Steven Maddox here. Steven Michael Maddox. Dude, let's right, try right, stopping right, and right. render it, and let's all right, go. All right, all right. Stop, stop, stop. Let's stop and render and go. Thank you for hanging out with us. 